0: This is your host, Pete Moore, and I am pleased and humbled to announce the launch of my one and only book titled Time to Win Again, 50 Takeaways from Playing and Watching Team Sports to Guarantee Your Business Success. Those of you who know me personally and anyone who listens to Halo Talks for any length of time know that I am an avid sports fan and a big believer in the value of team sports. What I've seen over the past 25 years helping businesses grow, raising capital, being an entrepreneur myself and coaching and mentoring executives in the sector. It's the lessons learned on the field perfectly apply to business. Entrepreneurs, executives, managers, you name it. Every company that's a strong company has got a good team. It's a quick read. There's awesome illustrations in there from our good friend Mark at Cruelty Free Cartoons. If you go to IntegritySQ.com, enter your email address, and we will send you information on the book and the Entrepreneur's Survival Kit as well. Be great. Take names. Go Halo. This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC, broadcasting live from Nikki Blaine's downtown Indianapolis with my good friend, Kevin McCauley, coming from Upper Hand Software. Kevin, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me,
0: Pete. Awesome. Well, we were able to meet in person, which is nice to do post-pandemic, as I want to refer to this chapter of our lives. Not during the pandemic. We are officially post-pandemic. And I want to talk about your background and how you are attacking the halo sector. So, you want to start off with your uh, with your sports background and entrepreneurial background, and we'll uh, kind of riff from there.
1: Yeah, that'd be awesome. I, you know, keep it simple, and and we'll jump. Uh, went to Indiana University Kelly School of Business. Uh, been in startup world business life for uh, pretty much my entire career. Come from a big baseball family. Um, sports family, rather a brother played pro ball. I got a nephew at Butler right now. Uh, but really the, the thing that excites me about the space we're in is as a coach myself in Washington, DC, I was, I was coaching uh, youth baseball, uh, started having parents come to me and say, Hey, my kid would love, love to learn more about pitching or hitting or whatever it might be. And, you know, knowing some of the coaches you run across in youth sports, I said, man, absolutely. I'll, I'd love to do that. Right. Um, growing up as a kid, myself, to get better, you just throw a ball against the wall, you know, um, whereas now it's, you know, specialized training and, get, and starting to get more and more into fitness. So I'm sure we'll talk about that uh, more later. But so I started doing lessons. And in that experience, you know, after an hour lesson with a, a kid, you, you know, check from a parent with, you know, putting your sweaty pocket, um, just a terrible way to do business and super awkward, by the way. Um, and it was in that experience that I started to recognize an opportunity to, to really do better business in sports and fitness. And so we started actually as a marketplace, um, helping connect parents and coaches and trainers, um, you know, with qualified coaches. Um, and through that experience, uh, we recognize one of the key aspects of what we do today is just the experience, you know, connecting people you don't know and on two sides of the marketplace to transact online in an e-commerce transaction, uh, something that is, you know, for our industry, fairly you know, new relative to how long e-com has been around in other, other industries. And so we recognize that we figured out the marketplace side, you know, the business piece, we started to learn, man, uh, marketplaces are tough. You know, it's like a match.com. You meet somebody, why the hell would you keep going back through it? Um, it's a fee-based thing. Uh, but we saw other people continuing to go through it. Uh, I went and met with them in person, you know, we'll go down to a base office and say, Hey, like, why do you guys keep sending your parents through a marketplace? And you know, the response I'd get, man, there's nothing to run this business today. You know, we've got no way to schedule, you know, our lessons. We've got no way to get them paid for, communicate, et cetera. And uh, so that's where we really started to focus on building software uh, in our space.
0: Gotcha. Cool. And then from a standpoint of kind of, you know, pivoting from a marketplace into, you know, powering the mission critical software and billing on behalf of large multi-sport facilities or franchisors or enterprise, you know, what kind of gave you, the inroads to say, yeah, I know that there's some software companies out there, but look, I'm coming from a different perspective. I'm coming from, you know, the member's perspective. I'm not coming from, you know, I have a frustration. I used to run my own facility, but let me tell you how I think your facility should run and like maybe redefining like that. If, if a sports facility is the authority in their community, then what should they be able to do with their software? How do they think about their software differently?
1: No, that's a great question. You know, and, and people would say our space is crowded, but I'd say our space is fairly new. You know, when we started out and I'd go to those facilities, I mean, I was what, six, seven, eight years ago. Most of the people we compete with are older than that. Um, you know, so it's not that they're not options on the market, but there's there's nothing that runs that, that sports or fitness business. And when I talk about running the business, we're talking about it in terms of, you know, just like any other industry, you try to run a business, right? It's all about the consumer. It's all about the experience that that member or buyer has. Uh, and it's not just processing a payment, right? It's not just putting somebody on the schedule or roster or even getting access to that data, which is something you can't really do in the majority of platforms today. It's how do you now start thinking about, you know, with the rise of Peloton and digital, you know, dig- digital disruption in our space, athlete progression, you know, how is software helping that business owner who is an expert in fitness or an expert in baseball or football, whatever it is, help them deliver the value of what they're doing to help a consumer know they're getting better. I mean, you pay thousands and thousands of dollars, something like you have 20% of uh, US income uh, parents spend spent on youth sports and fitness. And it's the one industry where you actually have no idea if you're getting any better. You know, until Apple Health came along, you got your Apple Watch, right? You got Whoop. Um, you name, you name the, the accessory. And so there's this massive rise of, you know, knowledge and information for consumers, which is really exciting. But who's the platform that's going to help solve that, right? And I, I believe Upperhand is best positioned to do that.
0: So when you talk about athlete progression, which isn't a term that is widely used in our industry yet, you know, define what that means and, and the technology that you've built. And then how that information gets back to, either the trainer or the club owner and how that kind of keeps somebody, you know, I, I usually say, you know, results is what keeps a member. Right. It's not, you know, just their routine. It's like, Hey, I see physical mental and, you know, social results.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question because really to get there, there's step one, step one is you have to be able to have visibility into the data for the business first. Right. So if I've got a family with three kids, you need to be able to find that from a data perspective inside that software. Otherwise there's, we're never going to get to progression tracking. So, Building a platform that is architected in a way that today I could plug into our production database, we could start querying and pulling any report we want on the business, right? Um, And we're continuing to improve and refine that. With that in place, now we can focus on progression of an athlete, which is really very similar like Fitbot, the app, right? apple fitness like you look at all these apps and they they create these workouts for you right you just sort of pick hey i like want to be this lean or i want to be you know this big um and they produce those uh, athlete sort of workouts right um or fitness workouts and programs and so that's part one part two is then the data assessment data that the what's happening behind that that workout or after that workout that is tracking the success right so maybe it's velocity maybe uh, maybe it's gate cadence on a treadmill um, but then you combine all that into the business side data. Now we're really gonna be able to empower that business owner to not just make decisions about, oh, how many you know, free trials should we give on our membership, but how many free trials should we give to the highest lifetime value you know, athlete or fitness you know, member within our business uh, to run with. And that's that's where we're most excited about the industry and all the things we're learning from uh, Peloton to Precor, you know, to, to every accessory and, and hardware that's out there. Um, and it's, it's great for the industry.
0: You know, when you take a look at, um, you know, the average multi-sport facility operator, um, they already got a hundred things to do, right? I mean, it's almost like uh, you might as well like sign up to be a firefighter if you're going to go run like a multi-sport facility, because there's always something going on. So do you think internally executive management teams are going to start to say, hey, look, I actually want you focused on athlete progression. Like here's this data set that I want you to actually spend time on in mind, because it's not, there's going to be some predictive analytics and there's going to be some, Hey, if this, then do that. But do you kind of see more, you know, data scientists or marketing people, or, you know, we talk about spend more time on intelligence and then that intelligence will manage your business and it'll grow your business without you having to come up with other ideas.
1: Yeah, I think that's an excellent point that, without a doubt, the data scientist world, and in some ways, we're a good example of of where, you know, you could get value, right? So I would compare us, it's like the David and Goliath story, right? We know who we are. We're not, you know, a thousand employee organization today, Um, but with data, the ability to pull data out and use it immediately makes a company extremely valuable uh, and lethal, I think, in terms of just being able to scale and deliver value to a business owner because, Today, you could, again, you could plug in to, to production database, um, which is not how you do it, you know, for all the data engineers and scientists out there, you would definitely <laughs> separate your production data from uh, your reporting data. But point being, the way it's already architected, you understand it to a point where, man, you could connect it to, to some whoop data, right? You can connect it to other data that's out there to then start blending the data, look at it, you know, are we letting athletes or, you know, fitness members get too good too fast? Right? Is there a level of like, all right, maybe they're working out too much in terms of their lifetime value, so let's stretch out the programming that we do. Um, maybe they're, they're not seeing enough different types of instructors, right? You can run some K-means analysis to pick you know, seven different attributes. One of them could be which instructors are they seeing and identify, man, there's this one instructor. When everybody sees them in that cluster, they have a higher lifetime value by like 3x. So what would we do next? Well, we'd make sure that instructor hits every one of the other clusters to pull up a higher lifetime value for the business. So that's where, to your point on the data scientists and engineers, you know, business analysts, et cetera, that, that is, that is the future. Um, you know, Gartner's saying by the end of next year, there'll be a shortage of half a million employees to fill the the roles that are out there. So it's going to be difficult for folks in our space because it's not cheap. Um, you know, hiring a data team is expensive.
0: Right. So how much does your software do in order to accomplish that or, like here's like some some templated reports, not to use template in a bad word, as a bad word. Um, but here's like reports, and here's directing you on things that you should look at, or predictability, or here's certain drips that go out, or here's like some alerts that come up that say, hey, we got some issues with this, you know, cohort.
1: Yeah, yeah. So today, uh, today we uh, we've launched um, something called membership analytics. It's a very similar. For folks that are familiar with sort of SaaS tools and products out there, um, Chartmogul—it's uh, a tool we've used years ago—and it, it sort of helps software companies measure, uh, you know, the effectiveness of their SaaS metrics. Things like how many new members you get, how many churn. Uh, within our software now, uh, native uh, natively, uh, we have designed membership analytics so that a business owner uh, can go back and you know, as far back in history of the business as they want to, uh, looking through the end of this year to see how many new members they have, the cost of cancellations. Uh, the cost of uh, uh, you know, people um, downgrading their membership. Uh, they can look at reactivations, um, and then we're able to forecast what that membership, you know, recurring revenue looks like on each month uh, through the end of the year. So now you're starting to get visibility into you know spend and budget, um, and then you can focus on you know, people that are that have scheduled cancellation dates um, on their membership, and we can start targeting those people. Let's let's reach out to them. They understand why they're leaving. Hey, what would it take to bring you back, you know, after you do leave, et cetera. Um, So that would be one example of uh, an analytics platform that we've just launched That's native to the platform uh, without doing any data uh, science work uh, at all.
0: Got it. So, you know, define, I know you've got kind of two categories. So you got your SMB, you know, your small, medium sized businesses, and you've got your enterprise um, accounts. So, you know, maybe role play with us for a couple of minutes here. What's the sales pitch if I'm on another software platform or maybe I'm on like an industry generic platform and I'm using, um, you know, just just business tools and I want to now, you know, take my business to the next level. What are some of like four or five of the top, you know, selling points of of your software or where you say a upper hand, you know, whatever you got, you know, we're best in class in these categories.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, first and foremost, nobody's going to develop you know, functionality as fast as we are you know, on a weekly, monthly basis. So first thing I tell people, is like, if I'm going to decide what software to switch as a small business or, or a franchise, how often is that business you're currently using pushing new code? Mm-hmm. And you may be able to well, answer that question. What you, anybody can go to github.com and look for the company's you know, most recent you know, history. You don't, you don't have to be a member of that code base to know how often it gets updated. But it's a it's a fair question. If I own a business... And I'm going to commit to a software for, you know, 12, 24, 36 months. How often does it get updated? Right. Um, it how, how, stale does it become and how quick does that happen? And so number, that, that's number one, you know, you're sort of picking that, uh, that platform that is building for the future. Right. And it's not to say that we have everything in the world, but we're, we're building for that. That's number one. Um, number two is the experience that comes with it because we are building on a regular basis. We're only in uh, sports and fitness um, and we're not, you know, in adjacent categories, uh, wellness in other places. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but we just happen to serve, again, going back to athlete progressions and things of that nature, that doesn't matter to people outside of our space. Where over the last several years you've seen this blend of athlete performance, fitness, speed, agility really merging between sports and fitness, right? And Peloton's helping with that and making, you know, fitness people feel like they're athletes again. Um, and so there's there's that piece. And then for the enterprise, um, and it also trickles down to an SB, but our ability to report in the data um, Capabilities for an enterprise taking our code base um, and essentially branching off um, our core API to create an API uh, that has your own data set um, and and database for that franchise. Uh, We haven't seen anything else like it on the market.
0: Sure. So when you kind of go up against some of the you know more incumbent players, um, you know you you've got those points as well. But you know, tell you you got the scheduling component. um, You know what what functionality. You know, if I got kids care, if I got leagues and tournaments, you know, some of these things you obviously can do and you can continue to develop, but, you know, give us the the, the breadth of the, the types of, um, you know, activities that the software covers.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I'll just sort of start with what we're known for. Um, first is resource, you know, facility management. So our ability to manage uh, in a single use facility or multiplex uh, facility or multi use uh, facility rather. Um, so if you're running just one sport or fitness type event versus, uh, some of these massive complexes that you really have businesses within biz- a business, right. Um, our ability to manage the resources, you know, cages, fields, um, you know, classrooms, et cetera, is, is next level. Um, with our resource management, membership analytics and uh, membership managers, I've already mentioned to you, uh, before, but our ability to sell a membership through a phone, uh, for multiple people within the family, and then letting those people buy anything else they want throughout that transaction. Um, it helps tremendously uh, on the, on the franchise side, you're pre-opening a store. I mean, what a great way to sell. Uh, you make, you know, 15, 20% more on upper hand just because of the capability to, to sell the memberships through an app without ever walking in the store. Um, then you got, you know, integrated payments. Um, you know, some of the stuff that you know, does matter is a little more boring to talk about, but at the end of the day, you got to be able to move money wherever you need to. Um, you got to be able to have the point of sale system and terminal, uh, that matters and is again going back to the experience. Not every terminal uh, is going to be great in every you know front desk um, or for those types of customers. And so our ability to uh, in the last 18 months we've built into two different terminals um, uh, for our franchise customers, staff payroll uh, capabilities, um, and then marketing. Um, and then the last piece would be video analysis. You know we uh, we've learned a lot over the years um, because of sports. We call uh, an app we've we've built uh, Apex. Uh, because it's the apex of development of an athlete and in really fitness development, uh, you you not only you know see as a coach, it's important to show somebody how to how to move their hands and, and grab their hands and move them or say, hey, maybe you need to you know your gait should be this this distance, but it's also important for people to see themselves, right? And it's sort of 50-50. and when you get those together, you really do have the apex of of that development. so we've got um, the ability to help. Uh, franchises where that's important
0: uh, or small, small businesses. I want to take a minute and tell our audience about two awesome workout recovery products I've been using for the last 18 months from higher leader in infrared technology for athletes. Like all of us are, we're an investor in the company. That's not why I'm telling you this. I'm telling you this because it works. You got an infrared sauna blanket. I hop in there, I'll listen to some podcasts, burn 800 calories, get a mad detox, and a PEMF, which is a pulsed electromagnetic field crystal mat that I lay on and I recalibrate my cells to the normalized level of the earth. If you got somebody you like and you're looking for a pretty awesome gift, they will love it. You could use this code HALO. 75, get $75 off, and you will not be disappointed. Hiredose.com, promo code HALO75. And now let's get back to our regularly scheduled program. So, one of the things that I um, was impressed by when we met earlier was you're very focused on here's what we do. And I'm actually going to go out, speaking as you, and I'm going to go find software platforms that are going to support my business. Obviously, you got developers. You can go build your own salesforce.com, you know, CRM and lead capture. You could use your own customer support, but you decide to use, you know, Gong. You got obviously, you know, you're outsourcing a number of different functions that aren't core to the business. So talk about from an entrepreneur standpoint, maybe it's from your tech stars, maybe it's just you know this is the way you do things but how, how do you kind of balance between hey guys this is what we do and this is like our core asset and intellectual property and we're going to optimize that and we're going to use other people that view whatever they're doing is their core competency and we're going to i'm willing to pay for that
1: yeah well you know i think it's the it's the battle every company in our space you know, or any space really you're building software has between sales marketing and product and engineering right it's like you can't be everything to everyone, um, but at the same time, some things do matter, right? Um, so we use an example of CRM uh, in our space. You know, everybody wants to be able to cold call and then track, you know, the lead status, you know, and then the conversion rate of those leads to members, etc. All of which is important, but you know, do we as upper hand want to be, you know, focusing on building, you know, what HubSpot's going to do a lot faster, or what you know SendGrid is going to do a lot faster? Uh, and, and the answer is no, what we want is to be able to get enough of the data that is needed in order to then connect and let the business use what, what's going to help them excel in those areas where they need help. Right. So we don't want to make the decision on what you use as a business because, you know, business owners know their business better than we do. Right. And I think it is a, it's a, it's a challenge. You just have those, honestly, sometimes they're arguments, you know, uh, internally, about, well, do we want to build this or, you know, all the way, or is this like, you know, the intro feature to get connected to other uh, platforms for people. And we think about that a lot, you know, resource management is a good example. There's nothing out there to manage resources top down from, you know, the the time and availability of a resource to the staff time and availability schedule to the event schedule. um, And when those resources and all those different things are booked and used up. Um, So we did that, we built that ourselves, right. Um, As opposed to, all right, SMS and some other things. Let's plug into SendGrid and Twilio, right? They've been around forever. They're not going anywhere or for us to then integrate and build on top of that over time.
0: Yeah, gotcha. So if you could talk a little bit about some of the uh, the clients you have, obviously when you're running a SaaS business and it's a multi-unit platform, you know, you get the benefit of of piggybacking off the growth of your, your top clients. So, you know, if you can name a couple of clients if you're comfortable. Um, or if you're not comfortable name them anyway and we'll talk about it later no, i'm just kidding bro um you know, give us a couple of like examples of like hey i started with this business here's where they've got to i've kind of scaled with them and you know how fun of that that ride is
1: Yeah absolutely well so um a couple that come to mind dbat, uh, which is a, the 73rd 78th largest franchise in the country and uh, they're baseball softball most major leaguers who've trained trained out at dbat location, uh, Dbat is an acronym for Dallas uh, bat and baseball. And just a great customer. you know we started out, you know they struggle with resource management. Um, we helped build and customize that capability. We've built into two different terminals for them. You know they're about 100 location franchise system across the country. Uh, Athletic Republic, which uh, would really be the segue into more of the fitness uh, aspect where they're training you know elite athletes on the Olympic uh, sort of level um, of competitiveness very data-driven company and and franchise where uh, we're helping them kind of unlock, you know, the access to, to that data and kind of what uh, what it might mean for their athletes. Um, But other customers, honestly, some of my favorite ones are the the little guys. Um, One of our earliest customers, John Plodgick, modern goalkeeper, you know, started out with us um, been using us for six years. Uh, We've helped grow his business well into the six figures above. I think he was making, you know, 70, 80,000, um, a year before using us and he was doing it all by pen and paper checking cash and most mm-hmm. of those businesses you know you got somebody up until midnight you know working on it and it's crazy and, and he's an excellent coach um, and so I, for me that's what gets me the most excited is because a guy like that's now coaching more people on a more regular basis um, which is which is good for society
0: yeah so how do you um, you, you obviously give people references when, when you're uh, when they're deciding on your software but how do you get across? um, directly to, Hey, look, I actually really am your partner. Like don't ever call me a vendor because I'm not yeah. your vendor. Like I'm really lockstep, you know, 24 seven, but talk about that and talk a little bit about the team that you built. Cause I think that's a real important asset in understanding, you know, who the clients are and feeling and caring.
1: No. Yeah. Well, it's, it's incredibly difficult in our space, um, for new companies to come in and You know, a lot of times in, you know, uh, sort of business school, right? It's like, is it a switching, you know, sale or is it a new sale? Um, Well, in our space, you know, when people hear scheduling or event management or membership management, it's just like, man, how boring. Um, So to carve out the differentiation, it's difficult because you also, you know, want to use those terms because you know, that's how, you know, who, who to target, right. From a marketing perspective. Um, so I think, I think it can be very challenging, um, as a business and we're starting to really get a name for ourselves as upper hand, um, starting to see some, some really exciting opportunities come, uh, come our way. Um, as far as, and then you had asked about the team, um, you know, we, we've learned this, you know, from others that have done a great job out in our space, but you know, we, we try to hire people first and foremost off of core values. The first one being, are you passionate about technology and sports? and fitness, right? We've got people here that are, you know, shred 415 instructors, orange theory instructors, uh, F45 instructors, um, you know, using lots of different softwares, but at the end of the day, they just love being in the space, right? They know the consumer. Um, but you also have to be passionate about technology. I mean, coming in here and talking about, you know, the next version of SendGrid or, you know, HubSpot or what people are using, you know, if you're kind of an old school back the napkin person, that's going to bore you, you know, um, and you're not going to relate to our customers at the end of the day or have any empathy with what they're going through, you know, with, uh, with COVID and needing video on demand, et cetera. So uh, we've built a company around hiring on those core values. um, And, uh, you know, thus far it's working out for us.
0: Yeah. So, so, so last point here before, before we close up, you know, I've been a big advocate and evangelist since COVID hit that the large boxes that have, big indoor outdoor facilities, uh cater towards families, um, you know, is a safe place in their community, are going to get a windfall of traffic and revenue uh, because people aren't going to be going on as many trips, whether that's international or whether that's, you know, the places that they don't know what the COVID or Delta or whatever, you know, the the flavor of the month is of of, of the strain of COVID. So, you know, how do you? How are you kind of calibrating what the next couple of years look like for you? Um, you know, are you kind of looking to go broader with the types of facilities? Are you saying, hey, look, I want to replicate what I do really well for the current types of businesses and I'm gonna target those businesses and 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 kind of grow with that thesis?
1: Yeah. Let me tell a story of a company I started, you know, prior to this called Classwatch, watch yeah. uh, because our industry is very akin to the education space in that you've got yeah, parents um, a lot of times paying for you know the, the supports of their their kid right um, you know or even fitness right i mean the end of day health is is priority number one in the face of covid but at class watch we we launched that uh, in the middle of the housing crisis of 2008 um selling luxury watches that were custom branded with the university so we went out to compete with you know the big big boys but balfour justins herf jones etc billion dollar companies um, and we partnered with 18 of the world's largest, uh, you know, luxury watch brands from Tissot to Movado Group, uh, Oakley, Bomber CA, and we took the watch apart. And we put, you know, University of North Carolina on it or, or Emory uh, University on the watch. You put your initials, all that sort of stuff. You know, the housing crisis happens, right? Well, who would you think is ever going to spend two grand on a watch? Right? I mean, nobody's got money. Oh, it's a down, down economy. Right. We sold more watches than 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 you ever could have imagined because that's actually at the point where parents care more about recognizing, you know, the commemorative aspects of what they've done, what their kids have done. Right. And, and that's the same thing with sports because the kids only getting older, right. They want that development. There's so many values and things we could talk about with respect to to sports. But with respect to that, I think you're hundred percent right. U S is going to be, there's going to be less international travel, which is going to benefit uh, U.S. based businesses. Uh, but I think regardless, you know, in the down economy, uh, this is a safe, safe industry to be in. And we're fortunate in that regard because I know it's 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 been painful for everybody. Um, but I can only imagine a, uh, you know, in some of the wellness spaces, you know, uh that's the first thing that goes, you know, is discretionary spending.
0: Yeah, agreed. So so in closing here, um, you yeah, know, I'm psyched that we're working together. Uh I look forward to spending more time. Uh you got any good uh sports quotes or any business quotes that you uh have to say, like, oh that's a Kevin ism. Uh, well, I wish I could take
1: claim to my own quotes, but, uh, the best (laughs) one's right here. Um, the harder it is to surrender, uh, the harder you work, the harder it is to surrender, you know, Vince Lombardi and for people in our space, I think there's nothing, nothing more, uh, relevant than that today. The harder you work, the harder it is to surrender.
0: I like it. All right. Well, we've all persevered. If you still listen to this podcast, you're probably still in business. So we will keep fighting and, uh, making things happen and make sure people know that it's safe to come in and to be healthy, uh, again, and your couch and isolation is not the way to, uh, to, uh, to live a healthy, active halo lifestyle. So good to have you on the show, man. Look forward to seeing you at URSA and, uh, we will be in touch. All right. Awesome.